etc., etc., with young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue out. Episode 23, y'all. Woo! That magical number. And we've been on a roll lately, you know. But before we get into it, I, I got something on my mind. You know that song, you know? It's not unusual. I mean, it would be unusual if you didn't. That's a heavy tune, though, man. I mean, it's not unusual to see me cry, I want to die. Is this like the OG goth tune, you know? 1965. So powerful it would be years before another goth song would see the light of day. Perhaps a poor choice of words there. And what was the second ever goth tune? I mean... Tom Jones could probably tell us, you know, if that's his thing. Maybe there was like this whole scene he was a part of that we don't even know about. Maybe Tom Jones could put together like a a compilation of, you know, like late 60s goth bands. A wise use of his time, you know. But, I mean, Tom Jones was a trailblazer right from the beginning of the goth movement. You know, a bit of a maverick, too. I mean, he wasn't wearing black all the time. You know, I mean, the cover of his debut album, he's wearing a red shirt and tight blue jeans. Maybe he should have been known as Tom Bones, you know? Give him more cred in the goth community. Though that name can be taken a bunch of different ways. I mean, some of which I think he went with, you know? I mean, the man had a reputation. And he did the theme to Thunderball, too. But, I mean, Tom Bones, Thunderball, I mean, that'd be way too much, man. Then again, it's not like Thunderball was a noir film. Imagine if Bond was in a horror movie. That'd be so crazy. And especially if it was him and Tom Jones... But you know, like that white zombie song, you know, Thunder Kiss 65, you know, when Thunderball came out in 65, along with It's Not Unusual. Bela Lugosi was in White Zombie while he was still alive, you know, pre-Bauhaus. White Zombie the film, I might have to clarify, you know, and, and Bauhaus the band, I guess I have to clarify too, because like, Bela Lugosi would have been alive concurrently while the German art school was going on, you know? But I mean, with all the remakes they do these days, you know, why not have Bond and Tom Jones, a.k.a. Bones, go back in time to the events of White Zombie, the film? Have White Zombie the band and Bauhaus the band in it too? I mean, for it would surely be an insanely awesome soundtrack and subplot. Or if, like, Bond and TJ, you know, now trying to shed his goth image, you know, much like William Shatner and TJ Hooker, what if they're like a wise, cracking, crime-solving duo? Bond and Bonesy, you know? B&B! Sean Connery and Tom Jones just running a small little bed and breakfast somewhere, solving crimes. Woo! 
If you want to hear the rest of this story, believe me, there's a lot more. We haven't even gotten to the David Lee Roth bit yet. Head on over to YoungSouthPaw.com. It's this week's story on the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast. But now let's get to this week's podcast, right? It's just like two weeks ago, man, I saw someone compare this band High on Stress to The Replacements and Early Soul Asylum. And, you know, of course, that's enough to get me to give it a listen. And whoa! You know, whoever made that comparison was not wrong. I mean, these are some great tunes, y'all. I bought the album, Hold Me In, and I've been, I've been really digging it, man. Listen to a lot. So I asked Mr. Nick Lee, singer and guitarist of High on Stress, to come on the show. And we had a really fun conversation. So let's get to it. All right. We're here tonight with Mr. Nick Leet from High on Stress. How are you doing tonight, Nick? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, you're very welcome, man. I'm psyched to talk to you. I've been, I just discovered High on Stress like two weeks ago, but I'm loving the record. Nice. Thanks for checking it out. So I want to ask you, what, what is it about Minneapolis? Like, what makes it that just so much great music comes out of there? Like, especially your particular band of rock and roll. I think it's the weather. Uh, there's, <laughs> you know, when you've got layers of snow and ice months upon months, everybody just kind of flocks indoors and, and uh, you know, a lot of bands are born, a lot of music is created. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Just kind of like how, you know, Seattle had their thing as well through all the rain and gloom. I, I, I think it just kind of makes everybody go indoors and find something better to do. <laughs> <laughs> Bad weather is the key to rock and roll, really. I think that's the key. Look, well, look at history. <laughs> There's a lot of it. Like Liverpool, <laughs> notoriously rainy as well. Right. Now there's some truth. And in some of those warmer climates, the music just isn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely happier. <laughs> they can go outside. But, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? So I just saw on Twitter, you, you, I think it was you. Would you handle the band's uh, Twitter account? Yep, typically. Ask, asking what your, everybody's favorite big star song. I, I didn't see your answer, so I'm curious. Yeah, I just make everybody do all the work and then I read them. <laughs> <laughs> favorite big star song. Uh, you know, uh, September Girls is an obvious answer, but it's a near perfect song. So, uh, yeah. That's obviously up there for sure. 13 is kind of their, it's, it's a brilliant song, but a, a bit overplayed at this point as far as a band that's, you know, kind of uh, underrated. But, you know, uh, Back of the Car is definitely one of my favorites. If you, if you can't drum along to the uh, drum fills that just kind of go on for like a year, um, then I don't know. I don't know what you can do because <laughs> it's certainly enjoyable. Yeah, and in September, I still remember the first time I heard it, and I was just like, yep, this is a perfect song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a great one. What's your favorite replacements tune? Oh, jeez. It's all the hard-hitting questions today. Right away. Even though yeah. you turned around my hard-hitting question on me. Jeez. Um, it, it changes by the day, for sure. But um, I'll cheat a little and name a few. Obviously, Alex Chilton, that's <laughs> great. Uh, Left of the Dials, great. Valentine's, great. 
they're one of those bands like I'm a big Prince fan, obviously, uh, <laughs> but you know he's got these different eras and different sounds, and you know the Replacements were a sloppy rock and roll band, but they kind of had their different eras as well along the way, and it, you know. Uh, if you're asking me early, we're saying like taking a ride, kind of that middle period. It'd probably have to go with, you know, Unsatisfied or uh, uh, Bastards of Young. And then, you know, as you get a little later, it's probably the Chilton and the Valentine and Aiken to Be and all of that. So definitely period wise would that's be my a, answer. That's a really good way to go about it. I guess let's, let's not leave it out. What's your favorite song of All Shook Down? Uh, probably go with merry-go-round. I can see that. How about you? That's a strong second to uh, what it began. When it began, that's that song is just oh, the perfect autumn go. tune for me. Like whenever I hear that, I'm 17 and it's yeah. all out, and you know, just that perfect weather. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, the band has played shows uh, with Slim Dunlap, and he joined us on stage. We we backed him at some of his solo shows and nice. before it started, he'd seen a, you know, we were already friends, but he had noticed uh, we were playing Valentine, uh, like a cover on YouTube from some show we were playing. We did that. We did uh, bent out of shape and he was called me up and was telling me how great Valentine was and how we did such a good job. And it's cause you do it in a different key than we normally did it. But uh doesn't matter because Paul would change the key on me right before we'd go on stage anyway. So it all works out. I'm like, that's hilarious. And I said, well, did you see Bent Out of Shape? Because, you know, that's kind of the slim era. And he goes, oh, I never liked that song. That <laughs> 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 <It> was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just put out that video for Can't Hardly Wait after however many years. What version do you prefer, the Tim version or the Please to Meet Me version? Oh. That's, that's a controversial topic because everybody, you know, uh, the, the early raw one is pretty fun, but I don't know. The, the horns are pretty, pretty darn cool in that song. Yeah. I know it wasn't really their idea, but it, <laughs> it was pretty great. And if you've ever seen the uh, Paul SNL appearance during his solo years, you ever seen that? Westerberg on SNL? I don't think I've seen him solo. No, I have to look this up. Oh, they're playing on there, and he's got a solo band, and they've got the Saturday Night Live horns, and they're doing Can't Hardly Wait, and you can just tell Paul's, like, having the time because most likely he'd never played that song with horns ever. <laughs> yeah. They were kind of overdubbed after the fact, and he was, just the look on his face was like he was having the greatest time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So talking about the replacements and your new record, hold me in mm -hmm. peter jesperson their manager is quoted as saying this is exceptional work how did that make you feel <laughs> well he years ago he wrote me an email on myspace if you remember myspace yeah because <laughs> uh, he had heard a few songs off our debut album and he liked them and then i sent him our second record was just about to come out at that time and he had some nice things to say um, so I was kind of been in contact with him. Finally met him a couple years ago out in LA um, at a Tommy Keen memorial service that we went out to. Um, and uh, so that was the only time I've ever met him in person, but we chatted for a minute. But I sent them the new record when it came out because we've been in touch um, over the years. And, you know, I kind of expected the, you know, I like it sort of thing. And 
it made me feel great because uh, it was a little, little bit more than that this time around. You can tell he really enjoyed it. And I've, uh, I've got friends who are friends with his wife even, and I guess it's been played around the house quite a bit. So oh, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. So, Makes you feel good for sure. Yeah. He's, he's quite the tastemaker. I mean, that's, that's what drew me in. And then I was like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's right on, man. <laughs> like <laughs> this is that sort of music that I love. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, give me, give me a bit of a history of, of the band before we, we get into the new records. You have quite a few out. History of the band. So we started out in 2003, uh, the story goes, I was looking, I had left the band that I had been in for about six years or so. And I was going to the local record store, you know, you've got your little sign with the little phone number pull offs at the bottom. <laughs> and I had put, I was looking for a guitar player, bass player, uh, drummer, keyboard player, and singer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, influences all that. And I hung it up at a, at a record store in uptown Minneapolis and as I was about to go out the door I looked across the street there's like a used music go round uh you know instrument shop and I was feeling rather lazy that day and I was like ah, do I go over there or do I not like eh. I'm like well that's stupid I'm literally across the street so I went across the street hung up the sign about a week later I get a call um from Mark Devraj drummer who found it at, at the music go around store that I almost didn't go to, which is so funny. Cause I remember that moment so well going, do I cross the street or not? Which total life changing moment. It was like wow. this internal, like how lazy do I want to be? <laughs> uh, but he called me and we, we literally talked on the phone for like two hours, had a ton of ton in common uh, music wise and everything else got together in a friend's practice space to just run through a song. Uh, I had a song called My Former Life on the Cutting Room Floor that's on our debut album um, that I had just written and we, we hung out for a couple hours kind of playing it and talking and uh, had a my friend John, who I've known for years, jumping on bass and that through him we got a guy named Ben on guitar and that lineup stuck around for about the first album and a half. Um, and then in uh, our bass player left and we got Jim soul who does all those great backing vocals that you hear on the record. Um, kind of a secret weapon for sure. And then uh, soon after that, Ben, the guitar player moved to China of all places. Um, and we replaced him with my friend, Chad, who I'd known forever. He's the Mr. Guitar solo guy on the record. So this lineup's been around for quite a while, but we've got five uh, studio albums and a live album. And we did kind of a best of what we, we broke up for about four years and put out a best of in that period before we got back together. So there's all kinds of stuff, which is fun because it seems like, you know, people are discovering us for the first time in a lot of ways, um, more so than ever. Uh, so it's kind of nice now to have this back catalog that not only people are, you know, digging a new record, but if they want to go deeper, they certainly can. And I know I enjoy that when I kind of discover a, an artist late in the game and all of oh, a sudden yeah. you go, what now? Because <laughs> it's like a treasure trove of discovery. Yeah. Um, I, I had to listen to some of the greatest. I've been really just focusing on the new record, but I, I listened to that and I, I dug, um, I mean, there are a few songs that have been leaving Minneapolis. It was the standout for me. Cool. Thank Seems you. to have a bit more twang. Yeah. Is that yeah, we play both kinds of music? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, where would you suggest I go next in your catalog? Well, ooh, 
I would say probably starting at the beginning. Uh, I think Moonlight Girls is definitely one of our best. It's got some of our best songs on it. But, I, you know, I I like all our albums. I'm proud of all of them. And, and I think the key to, you know, being able to stick around and, and make it work and still keep some interest with people is to have solid albums that have a couple of your, your best songs on every album. Hell, the yeah. Foo Fighters have made that a career for how long? <laughs> These are pretty good. These are great. <laughs> I got my two or three that are great. But no, I'm, I'm proud of them all. But I would say Moonlight Girls is probably a good place to start, for sure. Cool. And you mentioned backing vocals. I mean, they just, they add so much in a, yeah. you know, in a way that you can't really explain, but it's like always, you know, super nice to have. Who are some of your favorite bands who have great, like backing singing? Oh, wow. Um, great backing vocals. That's, that's a tough one. There's so many. Obviously, you know, you've got your standards. You've got the Beatles were amazing at it. The Beach Boys are probably yeah. <laughs> top shelf. Hard to argue uh, with that. <laughs> hard, to, hard to argue. That's just magic right there. Um, until Mike Love screwed everything up for everybody. Uh, Sorry, Mike Love, if you're listening, but I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> who else? You know, I think the Who's got some great backing vocals. Pete's Pete's vocals are cool. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many. They're just uh, Def Leppard had some huge backing vocals. Yeah, not not well, everything. Uh, uh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not much into the Def Lep, to be honest. I've seen them a couple times. Um, one time I was the guy up front yelling, Joey Elliott, you're my father, but um, I didn't get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. I may have been wearing leather pants at the time too, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> Wait, this sounds amazing. We got to delve more into this. Did you have a face? They were, they were literally playing in the rotunda of the Mall of America. Like this. <laughs> and all of these people just came from nowhere. Like you've never seen these people in your lives. It was just the strangest crowd. So I decided, I'm like, well, if you're going to go to the mall to see Def Leppard, you better throw on some leather pants. So <laughs> didn't get kicked out, didn't get beat up. So it was successful. Yes. Very definition and, of success. And I will say, because they were playing in the rotunda of a mall, they didn't have all the extra piped in stuff. And it was much better than when I saw them at a real show because they sounded like a rock and roll band. I don't know. There you go. Wow. That's the secret right there. See him at a mall and you don't have all the extra fake backing vocals and everything else that happens. <laughs> Although I've been told that their backing vocals are not canned, but if they're not canned, then they're heavily processed. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's interesting because did you read Trouble Boys? The replacement I song? did. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. I read that sucker in like one night and it's like <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it's such a fantastic book. And that, yeah, that so depressing. Thing. I know, I know. Yeah, poor Bob, and and you you actually get frustrated along the way. I'm like, you know, saying mf -er on K-Rock probably did you in. <laughs> Are you going to recover from, you know, making the, uh, the most uh, influential radio station in America angry and having them kick you out of the studio? And wasn't it one of the stories that they asked, Paul to play at a mall and asked them to play at a mall and Paul just refused right away. Like, <laughs> I think around Don't Tell Us All era. Yeah. Speaking of malls. Yeah. 
crazy. <laughs> well, let's get to your new record then. Sure. Right off the bat, work release, man. It's a killer tune. Like that riff, super catchy. And I love the fact that the drums pretty much drop out for the chorus, which yeah. you don't get very often, but it's you know, very effective. I... Thank you. No, it's, uh, it was interesting because the band broke up in 2014 and we, we had this show at the Parkway Theater where we had released Leaving Minneapolis that night. That was the night of our release show, but it was also the night we were breaking up. Our, Odd uh, strategy, that one. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> way to promote a record. Just put it out and break up immediately. Uh, so our bass player, Jim, backing vocals, moved to Chicago. So it was like, well, this is, you know, after all these years, we're kind of done this is over uh, so we got, all made the decision to, to stop and then uh i started a new band chad and i actually a guitar player started a new band for four years jim was doing his thing in chicago mark was playing in some other bands and then um our friend tommy keen power pop um legend he uh passed away and we used to open his shows when he would come to town one of my favorite shows was actually us and then we played and then uh slim dunlap the replacements we backed him we were part of his band and then tommy keen played later that night um it was the three of us it was just a great night but uh, fantastic he passed away suddenly and uh we ended up mark and i ended up talking and decided we were going to fly out to la for that memorial service and so we hadn't hung out in a bit and that was kind of the start. Like I had left those other bands and then we went to do that and we got to talking and then Chad was like, you know, we should really think about it. And then everybody's kind of talking to each other separately about how we should put it back together. But how do we do it without Jim? And then we realized that we don't have to do it without Jim. Because <laughs> so, we did a couple of reunion shows and, uh, and, uh, you know, Jim showed up with his bass at the front, no practice and, you know, all those years of muscle memory kicked in and we're like, all right, we got this. Excellent. Um, so it was really that, that memorial service, um, that we went to Tommy Keene, um, that kind of got everything back into play in a lot of ways and, and showed us the life was too short. You know, the man was in his fifties. Um, but it kind of made sense when I wrote that song. It was kind of my homage to Tommy Keene. So I don't know if you're a Tommy Keene fan at all. I don't know him that well. Uh, but I, know. I was I was aiming for a little Tommy Keene vibe on that song. It's kind of a little tribute to the whole thing. And and uh, and uh, Tommy Keene fans seem to like it. <laughs> I'll have to check him out then. Yeah. Nice. Cool, man. Um, Dakota. Yeah. You're originally from North Dakota. Is that right? Is uh, this- yeah. Yeah, where the song is about. Yep, yeah. Right. <laughs> that uh, that one's funny because I I actually wrote that song for our first record, Moonlight Girls, and it was an acoustic. It was an acoustic based song, and at the end we had these weird sound effects that were happening, and I was like, oh, "This is cool." And then Mark showed up at the studio, and he's like, "That end part sounds like there's like whales or dolphins humping or something going on there. What's that?" Um, so it just kind of got cut and we just let it go. And then suddenly it all these years later reared its head again. And we had this rocked up version and Chad had his cool guitar solo and everything. So it's actually a very old song that we finally released. Um, and it, it's one of the ones that people are <laughs> really pulling out and saying, this is one of my favorite ones. And I'm like, wow, that barely made the record. <laughs> 
I was literally like, let's put it at the end if it makes it at all. And like, so it shows what I know. <laughs> well, what, one of my other favorites is uh, Never Got That Far, which is oh, wistful. Yeah. And that's actually Andrew Heyer, the one I was talking about, Connecticut. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So he, it was a weird thing. We've got this uh, friend for years. This guy was reaching out to me from Illinois and he would tell me, you got to come play. You got to come over here and play. I've got this kind of songwriter series thing. It's a quiet room. Everybody loves it. It's great. And I, you know, oh, yo, I'll try to get there at some point. And I just kind of put it off because I had other stuff going on. And then finally, uh, he emailed me one day and he's like, you got to come. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this happen at this show and we're going to have Miles Nielsen, um, who's just a fantastic writer and singer. He's uh, actually Rick Nielsen from Cheap Tricks Kid and uh, Matthew Ryan, who's a great songwriter. Um, and then yourself and then Miles' wife, Kelly, will play as well and she's insanely good, beautiful voice. Um, we're going to do that. You got to come. And I'm like, whoa, with that lineup, I'm <laughs> be kind of an idiot not to come. So... <laughs> I, I went and I did that. And soon after that, he was, um, Dave in Illinois was the booking guy was telling me, you know, I've got all these series. I'm going to try to get Red Miller here, which he ultimately did. And, you know, he's got all of these people cause they're passing through like Chicago and going to the next town. That's about an hour and a half outside of Chicago. So he just nabs all these great artists as they're coming through. Uh-huh. And, uh, they do this little like acoustic songwriter thing. And it's every one of the shows sells out. Like people go, like pin drop quiet but he was telling me about i'm gonna get this person i'm gonna get this person he's like and andrew hire is coming and i'm like ah, who's that guy he's like oh he was in this band called billy pilgrim and i'm like uh that was like a band that i listened to in <laughs> high school in fact um the fir- my first band we were kind of a uh three chord punk rock thing and our first show in the high school gymnasium um, the singer and I, because I played guitar, did an acoustic version of a Billy Pilgrim song. It was like one of the first songs we ever performed live. Wow. And I'm like, what? So I found Andrew on Facebook and I'm like, hey, I understand you're going to do this thing. It's great. You'll love it. It was so fun. And then we kind of struck up a friendship. And then I don't remember if it was my idea or his idea to write a song, but what I did is uh, I had the, the verse and chorus of that song. I did an iPhone video, sent it to him on Facebook Messenger, and then he sent a video back doing a verse and a chorus, and we did that until the song was written. Well, that's awesome. I took it into the studio to the band, we recorded all of our parts, and then we sent him the song, and then in his studio, he you know, layered on, layered on his harmonica and guitar and uh, mandolin, and, and he sang those verses too, the ones that aren't me. I'm sure you can pick those out fairly <laughs> easily. Uh, and he sent it back. And uh, once we had a mix down, Chad, who he's a guitar player, he recorded the album. We had recorded it all ourselves and everything. Uh, Sent Andrew a copy and then Andrew texted me and said, this sounds great. Now we got on the phone and met officially for the first time after the song was written and recorded. (laughs) We made a point where like, we will not talk to each other for real other than, you know, email, maybe text, no phone calls. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, no, he's a great guy. I was actually just texting with him earlier because I had a Billy Pilgrim thing going on tonight where they were doing some online thing, talking about their new record. So, well, that's an excellent way to work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. And and that song turned out really cool. He did some great work on it. Yeah. Um, daylight instead is one I keep seeing people mention it on the internet. Short (laughs) and sweet. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, that one was weird because it was written early on in the life cycle of the record as we were kind of getting ready and recording things. And it just kind of kept getting pushed back. And uh, it was the last song to actually make the record because we were kind of like, are we done? I think we're done. And they were like, everybody else was like, well, what about that one song? I'm like, it's all right. It's just not, there's just something missing. It's just not quite there. And I'm like, eh, we can just cut it. And then uh, that conversation happened a couple days. And then suddenly Mark showed up, a drummer showed up to the recording studio. And he's like, I got it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, the arrangement. And he had it all like, you're going to like do this part, but you're going to cut that. And then you're going to do this part only twice. And then it's going to go into the chorus again. And he had the whole thing like mapped out in his head from the drive to the studio. Nice. And we're like, okay, all right. So we tested it and we're like, Oh, there it is. <laughs> like suddenly he just figured it all out in his head and that, and it's short and sweet. It's like two minutes long and, and yeah. the song probably like three, three and a half before he did his arrangement tricks on it. But it, it made the song like, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of got a big more. star vibe. I was going for the big star, uh, clean, jangly ending. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, the wake ups at the end are my favorite part. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, that was that in Dakota barely made it. <laughs> glad they're glad they're on there. <laughs> now jumping back a track, relax. The first line is, "The answer's coming now, but like the dark side of the moon, I never got it at all." I take it you're not a Pink Floyd fan? <laughs> Somebody called me out on Twitter about this. Somebody was like, I, you know, I love the record. It, it's really great. And then, like, later I get this, like, notification. It's like, you, is that what I think it is? And do you really not get it? <laughs> and I will give you the same response that I, someone gave me years ago. Um, I knew this guy years ago who's a big Pink Floyd fan. And... He's just like, oh, they're the greatest band, they're the greatest band. I'm like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And he's like, that's because only smart people like Pink Floyd. <laughs> Which was the greatest slam of all time. But it's not that they don't like them. They've got some songs I do like, but I, I just don't see it. I don't, overall, I, the matter, no. Yeah, I, they've never really done it for me. No. I, I like, I like Sid Barrett and I like, like yeah or arnold lane like first single and cmoe play yeah. but yeah like i've never really had any desire to sit down and listen to uh dark side I, I think it's because someone loaned me the wall once when i was like really you know when i was probably like 10 years old the loving the years yeah, yeah. and I, I just i didn't get it at all like the title track just annoys me yeah <laughs> like, no i liked that song when i was a kid and you know you can't get your pudding if you don't eat your meat <laughs> what <laughs> um but you know there are some songs that they had that were quite good and i don't dislike them but you know it, it's also just a fun line and i'm, yeah. I'm kind of glad people are going hey wait a minute <laughs> but that's not all with this song i mean in the chorus you also have i'm not gonna crack which immediately you know makes me think of lithium oh wow i that's funny because obviously uh like any any great fan of music that is a, a wonderful song and a great band but I, that never even crossed my mind until you said it. And now forever, I'm going to think about <laughs> I saw, it. I didn't mean to ruin your own song <laughs> for you. <laughs> you. On stage, you'll be like, oh, I totally actually ripped off Nirvana. <laughs> I just saw today, too, that it's the 29th anniversary of Nevermind, uh, Bad Motor Finger, and Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Yeah. It all came out on the same day. 
I did not realize that at the time. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. But I remember 91 and 92 just being excellent years for music. Maybe yeah. it was the age, but there was just so much to get into. Where did, where did, so you're a Nirvana fan, I take it? The thing was, I heard a friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, obviously I like Nirvana. But at the time, I remember a friend of mine worked at a record store. He got it early and he's just raving about him. And he yeah. played me Teen Spirit and I was just like, eh. Like I, I love like the Sex Pistols and the remote, like, you know, punk rock. And I was just like, yeah. okay, this, this sounds like uh, it wasn't in a major key, which I think was my issue. And it took me till in bloom to really get him. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is great. These are great songs. Then just went back and got really into them. But I remember when it was released, like a week before it was released, um, I had heard it and I didn't, it didn't do anything for me. And that same friend, they were playing at this small club in New Haven, probably like a hundred person maximum. And he yeah. was going, he's like, I'm going to drag you to the show so you can properly appreciate them because they're great. And like, you know, I was 15. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even bother to ask my parents for permission. But in retrospect, I regret not going to that tiny club show because a month later, they were the biggest band in the world. Oh, I was going to say, did you go? Nope. No, I, uh, the first I heard of them was on uh, when they were doing Team Spirit and uh, Territorial Pistings on Saturday Night Live. And uh, I remember seeing it and I remember thinking, this is terrible and what is happening? And then they were smashing equipment and it was not at all mainstream music that was, you know, growing up in North Dakota that I was accustomed to. So I was totally just like, what happened? What is this going on? This guy's like screaming and it's awful. And, and uh, like a few days later, my sister's boyfriend at the time uh, loans me his single. Eh? a single of uh, teen spirit with even in his youth on the back. And I remember like driving like on a field trip, to, like a spelling bee or something <laughs> that week. And I had my Walkman and I was like, play flip play, like just over and over <laughs> end of the week. They were my favorite band. They went from like, what is this trash to my favorite band in like six days. <laughs> I think, I think that was the, America in a nutshell after they got over the shock of, you know, because I love the replacements are one of my favorite bands and obviously, you know, huge influence on Nirvana in a lot of ways. Never mind. Come on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was I was too young for that at the yeah. time. So it was more like going back and going, oh, geez. So, yeah, Nirvana was definitely the gateway. But when you when you start working backwards, you see where it all comes from another classic saturday night live performance as well <laughs> oh god yeah that was great it was, if you go back and watch it now you're like dang that was impressive yeah. <laughs> but for my young years it was just it was too much was overwhelming <laughs> so i mean also on uh you know i listen i went eyeliner blues oh, yeah. the greatest hits you also say only women bleed so i wondered <laughs> Is this like a thing you're purposely doing? Is this just how the lyrics come to you? <laughs> Am I screwing with you with all these little things? It's like little Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Alice Cooper, uh, that was a little, a little sly and not Alice. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I like it because it, it's kind of like it places you in a tradition of rock music. Like you're, you're, yeah. you're quote, referencing all these things. Uh, they're all over the place. I remember... Uh, I think it was on uh, the second record, Copley Parade. We were in a practice space and we were uh, writing a song. And I, I mentioned uh, Summer Babe plays out loud. 
And then I remember our drummer's like, so uh, are you going to like do that on every record? <laughs> yeah, I think Why so. Because <laughs> that's a pavement song. <laughs> but it was, you know, it wasn't shameless. I actually had this memory of recording. Um, my first band in North Dakota came down to Minneapolis to record our album. And my buddy Bill, who's in this great band called St. Small, uh, gave me a couple mixtapes that he created. And I was listening to them on our on our bus back to North Dakota after recording. And it, this mixtape had like early spoon off of uh, tele, uh, Telefono. And then it has, uh, it had uh, pavement on it, Summer Babe. So it was just kind of going back to that memory of listening to that song on this cold bus after this like epic recording session. So, you know, nice. it was more of a memory thing rather than a, a purposeful little like, oh, look at me, I like pavement. <laughs> oh nice i i miss mixtapes so much oh like, spotify you know spotify rips people off in a bands in a big way but there's a little bit of that where you can make uh you can make mixes for people but I don't, there's just something different to it because it, there's just so much noise coming at us at all time that it's a little different than handing something to somebody. yeah and having two sides yeah. i thought was kind of key <laughs> Right. You put a lot of thought yeah. into those, whereas nowadays it's just like click, click, click. Oh, you got to sequence that. Yeah. I, I think that's how I learned to sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember making a tape once and I was in the car with my dad and all these songs were playing and he's like, oh, I like how you led into that song. I'm like, what are you even talking about? I had no idea. He's like, well, you had this too fast and then it kind of made sense how it went into it. I'm like, that's a thing. <laughs> So in a way, you kind of learn it when you make those mixtapes, how to make it flow. Oh, know? yeah. <laughs> a good skill to have later. But I will say that I am not the sequence guy on our records. Um, I let the other guys fight over that because at that point, I'm like, I'm tapped out. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's too exhausting. <laughs> nice. Yet another reference. I think tomorrow night you're doing a show called Live at Leeds. <laughs> I mean, the podcast is going to come out on Monday, so we'll miss it. Okay. But um, are you going to be doing more? Uh, uh, well, you know, when when uh, everything went down and we were all stuck at home, I had a thing going about every Friday night at about 8.30 Central, I would do like a live live at Leeds. And somebody actually said that. That wasn't even mine. I stole that. They're like, oh, live at Leeds. And I'm like, oh, that's good. It's and then a buddy of mine, uh, artist actually like, sent me one day after somebody made that joke uh he made a live at Leeds album cover like spoofed it i'm like okay i'm running with that Excellent. Uh, but no i did it for probably like 10 weeks in a row it was like crazy every friday oh and then uh you know baseball started <laughs> i got you know i got distracted uh so it's been a long time since i've done it but i'm gonna i'm gonna probably do uh some songs off the new record tomorrow and it you know it doesn't replace standing on a stage with drums and everything else yeah. uh, but it's kind of the best way it can do at this point <laughs> so it should be fun what's your favorite who song oh favorite who song um so many uh but i would say i gotta go with won't get fooled again because you know if you were dropped on another another planet and somebody asked you what rock and roll was i think i would go to that little drum section with the scream and everything it's like the perfect rock and roll moment so it would be hard for me to not say that song yeah uh, no, oh, no, I, 
I will stick with Bob O'Reilly. I mean, yeah, to me, that's probably number two. It's kind of A and B. Yeah. <laughs> Our record's brilliant. Yeah. And are you a GBV fan? I am. Yeah. In fact, that uh, buddy of mine, Bill, who I mentioned earlier ago, he's like the biggest GBV fan in the world. Uh, his band actually opened for them at a thing. And Pollard nice. came out in handcuffs and they had like, it was like this festival thing. And they had uh, the St. Paul police bring him on stage in handcuffs, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, but he, he's the one who got me into it. But it was another one of those things where he's like, this is the greatest band in the world. They're better than anybody. And I'm like, all right, let's hear them. This sounds exciting. And then I got Alien Lanes. And I'm like, why is there an entire song where a guy is snoring all <laughs> And then I realized soon after that, and I remember telling him, like, yeah, not into this. But uh, soon after that, he sent me, like, a mixed CD that literally had all of the best GBV songs to that time frame. And I'm like, So there are, like, 60 of them? Yeah. Well, you know, when they're like, go check out this band, and they've got, like, they've released 10 records this week, it's hard to find where to start. Uh, but, you know, when your buddy puts all of the best stuff on one CD and says, start here, you go, oh, okay. I get it. There there are some amazing songs on here. So, yep, definitely a fan. But I've I've seen them do Bob O'Reilly a couple times, which is just fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I've seen them do a Who song too, but I don't remember what it was. It was years ago. I'm curious. Do you know why he came out in handcuffs? It it reminds me of you know the Van Halen Panama video. Oh, that's probably Rob is dragged out of the dressing room by the cops. That's what he was doing, and it was. It was all just, you know, that wasn't real. They staged it for the video. Just, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, his antics, I'm sure. It, it was pretty effective. It was funny. Everybody cracked up. But I loved how he actually had the actual police involved because they were there for security and stuff, you know. So, like, hey, will you do me a favor? <laughs> Walk me out in cuffs. <laughs> and you mentioned you're a huge Prince fan earlier. Yep. What's your favorite Prince song? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the tough questions going. Oh, that is tough. That's another, you know, era thing, too. Um, I kind of go back and forth to my favorite Prince album. I, I was telling a friend last night because he had mentioned to me, he's like, no matter, he's like, I get it, Purple Rain's genius. But for me, it's Sign of the Times. And I said, yeah, once again, AP. <laughs> I feel like Purple Rain is like the, uh, the cohesive, the cohesive pop genius guy. And I think sign of the times is the sprawling mad genius guy. <laughs> Cause that thing's just all over the place. There's all these yeah. great songs to just, just like goes every which direction. Like it's mine won't stop. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, on any given day, that's going to change. But if I was your girlfriends out there, that's such a crazy weird song. I love it uh obviously when doves cry just from it's overplayed but if you think about it, just that great guitar riff at the beginning the no bass like the, yeah. the catchy no chorus it's just it's so played now that you don't really think about it but it, it was just a bizarre song at the time it, and it's, it's just a standard at this point but i remember it was kind of scary. Put a bass in, a, in a radio hit <laughs> ever i'm sure the radio company was like uh, the record company's like, can you go back and yeah. you I know his bandmates were actually read something where uh, one of his bandmates was like, it's fine, but can you, where'd the bass go? <laughs> so even his bandmates were questioning him. <laughs> I mean, Worked out. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a question I've been thinking a lot. Like, what is my favorite Prince song? And again, it's, I guess, this whole errors thing I like. Because yeah. lately, probably the past couple of years, it's been, I could never take the place of your man. That's just yeah. a great tune. But yeah. I have the chorus of controversy. Every time I hear it, I'm like, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. That intro too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw the the revolution did a couple of shows. One before he passed, um, where they were actually they played at First Avenue and they were trying to get him to come and his they had his guitar there and everything just in case he was gonna be oh. uh and because uh, he told them, No, oh, you know, maybe I'm like so uh, then they did another one after he passed, but they would open with controversy. So they've got the lights and the, oh man, even without him there, just hearing his band play, it's just like, oh man, wow. that's such a brilliant song. So I've, I've been asking you a lot about other people's songs. Sure. What's your favorite of your own? <laughs> Do you have one where you were just like, you, when you finished writing, you were like, this is it. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's tricky because uh, I think most songwriters or people who create tend to, you know, when they, they write something or draw something or whatever their art is, their initial, if they like it initially, it's like, oh my gosh, I've done it. Yes. <laughs> this is amazing. I can't believe I did this. And then the next day they wake up and they're like, this is trash. I'm trash. It's horrible. Um so, you know, you can ride those emotions. Uh, but I would say, if looking back, um, Gold Star off of Moonlight Girls uh, is definitely up there for sure. I, I kind of feel like I've always been trying to top that in some way. Um, I think That's on the best of, right? Yeah. I remember yeah. that one. And uh, off the new one, Work Release probably would be my favorite on there but i you know i like the whole thing but Copyright parade the song Copyright parade off of that album uh see i'm cheating now i'm giving you a few so i don't have to cop to one yeah <laughs> <laughs> bite your tongue off a dying art would be one living is a dying art and then probably um uh windy city windy city endings off of leaving minneapolis would probably be the one off of that that i would pick gold star i thought had a bit of a stephen malcolmus thing to it Really? Yeah. See, there, there we go again with the pavement. Yeah. I'm not even that big of a fan. No. <laughs> I like Summer Babe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song all time? Favorite song all time? Uh, I'd probably go with uh, Day in the Life by the Beatles. That's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, there's a, Few of those beat well, a lot of those Beatles songs where the magic of Lennon and McCartney come together. Yeah. You know, you can always kind of tell this is the Lennon song or this is the McCartney song, where there's some where it's just like, wow, did they ever just like meet in the middle? Yeah. Day in the Life is one of them. You've got those beautiful verses and chorus, and then you've got the McCartney bridge with the woke up, got out of bed thing, yeah. which is total vintage Paul. But then you've got the crazy, you know orchestra going on at the end and the alarm clock and all this just weirdness but it's such a great story about that is you know they get at this giant orchestra into the studio and they're going to play on this Beatles record and they're all excited and they're like oh you know we're, we're these brilliant musicians and they're like all right what do we need to do and they're like all right all of you uh we're gonna start at this note and we're gonna go up to this note but 
you all just do it at whatever time and speed you want to go. Have you ever heard that story? No, I never had. Yeah. Uh, They're all like, what? That's not how we, that's not what I'm trained to do. That's why it kind of goes, because they're not doing it at the same time. The instruction was you start here and you end here, but get there however you get there. That makes sense. Wow. And then you got the alarm clock. So it's, it's just, that's just songwriting masterpiece right there. And like, we can work it out. Not my favorite Beatles song, but another one of those where you can hear that Lennon and McCartney push and pull. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine told me the first time he ever heard a day in a life, like a friend of his was like, you got to hear this. And like brought him to his house, played it. And he was just sitting in his chair, like really focused on it. And he was just so into it that at the end, he just fell off the chair. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the proper response. Yeah. His you mind know? was just blown. After a while, you just, it becomes a part of the fabric of everything. You kind of forget kind of like the Prince thing where you're like, this is like the 60s. This is like, you know, love me, do I want to hold your hand? And the next thing you know, they've got this orchestra and alarm clocks and all this crazy stuff happening. And like, now you don't really think too much about it. But at the time, they must have thought like, the Beatles have gone mad. <laughs> and they kind of did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's coming up in the future? <laughs> That's a hard question, but is there a future? (laughs) (laughs) Laughs nervously. (laughs) I wasn't. I wasn't so sure we had a future, but um, if there's a future, (laughs) what were you doing? Well, I would say first things first. Everybody, uh, uh, there's an election I hear that's coming up, so maybe uh, vote. Quite an important one. Yeah, I think people should probably vote in that one. Maybe not sit at home. Uh, I'm sure there's a few undecided people out there right now. Um, I think everybody's picked their sports team on that one. Um, So that, that's an important one. And then I would say, um, you know, hopefully we can get back to normal somewhat soon. We had a plan to go out to the Northeast and do a run of dates in August. They got pushed and we had a release show that was pushed. So it's, it's... you know, we just want to get back to uh, playing at some point. So it's hard to say, hard to say where the future is. <laughs> so have, have you not been able to do this album live at all? We'd, uh, so there's a, on Bandcamp, there's a live at First Avenue record, um, which uh, we played, you know, we played everything throughout our history really on there, but uh, there's Work Release and Relax are on there, live versions from when we played that show last year. So we've played a handful of them. Um, most of, eh, about half of the songs probably been played live at some time or other, but we were just about to, to do it. And, and we, uh, we've been in the same room outside socially distanced on a deck, uh, for about 20 minutes, a couple months ago, okay. month, uh-huh. two months ago. Uh, other than that, we haven't all been in the same room since, uh, Oh, last year. <laughs> The record was basically in the can. We were ready to go, thankfully. Otherwise, we would have just been completely stuck. Yeah. But, so, yeah, it was done and ready to go. But, That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So we're just, you know, we're demoing some stuff. Um, we all have our own recording stuff that we can do at home and send stuff over to each other and kind of work it out that way. So, you know, it's, there's stuff happening, but it's just, you know, not not in the same room, which is a bummer. Yeah. 
Well, that's all my questions. You got anything else you want to add? Yeah, so comedy. Tell me about comedy. I'm turning this around now. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's your favorite comedian? Huh? Ooh, uh, two, I always say there's a British guy, Daniel Kitson. Have you ever heard of him? I don't know. No. Fantastic stuff. He, he, uh, been going like 20 years or so but he did like one tv show 20 years ago hated it and then just decided he would do um live shows uh sure. and like he makes his living doing that and he keeps them very reasonably priced um I, I lived in london for a while so i got to see him quite a bit um and he would do warm-up shows that you'd pay like you know a couple bucks to see and like he is just uh brilliant brilliant stuff i, I highly recommend it. he has a couple things on Bandcamp. i guess he has recorded everything all right, I'm going to this down. Kitson, K-I-T-Z-E-N? K-I-T-S-O-N. S-O-N, all right. And, uh, Got it, wrote it down. Chris Rock, another one I love. Those are oh, I'm going to write shows. Chris, Chris, Christopher <laughs> Rock. R-O. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay, I think I can remember that one. <laughs> you might have heard of him. Maybe, yeah. He's fairly funny, yeah. Uh, Eugene Merman. Okay. Yep. He always funny. Yeah. I actually saw him a little bit for the flight of the Concords. Yeah. Oh, nice. In second row. It was quite awesome. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave Hill. Have you heard of him? I've heard the name. Don't know him though. Uh, uh, he plays music as well. He's got a couple of rock bands going. Uh, okay. Valley Lodge. But uh, his, his comedy is very good. He does, uh, or he did a, a podcast called History Fluffer where he would claim to have been an integral part of various uh, points in the 20th century, such as uh, there's one show where he's a founding member of ABBA. <laughs> uh, another where he started Woodstock by just having an Apple uh, stand up there and sort of <laughs> the bands came in and he got Throwing very much involved. And he was actually going to uh, do the national anthem with Jimi Hendrix, but he actually got caught in the port when uh when hendrix launched into it excellent excellent stuff I really where's that at where do you find that uh history fluffer is the name of the podcast history fluffer okay yeah. okay nice so, are you a mark Marin fan i am yes i like, like podcast comedy <laughs> um i've seen all his specials i i listened to the audiobooks of his books which i quite enjoyed yeah. um i loved his podcast with david lee roth have you heard that one <laughs> You got to take breaks on that one. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. So like this man is misfiring. He's like all over the map. It's funny. Years ago, my, uh, you know, when I moved to Minneapolis, my parents came down to visit. They took a trip down and, you know, my mom wanted to, she brought me a gift. She knew I liked reading music biographies. So she, uh, bought me crazy, uh, crazy in the, from the from heat. The heat? Yeah, the David Lee Roth, and I'm like, Woo. I go, I don't even like, I don't even like Van Halen, but I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Awesome. <laughs> it's it's insane. I I picked it up again last year and tried to read it. Like I remembered the stories, but they don't even go in any sort of linear no, it's, format. <laughs> it's this. It's all over. But my favorite favorite part of that book is when he talks about when Van Halen called him to come in to do one song for the greatest hits collection after they had been apart for years. We're going to do one new song with you, one new song with Sammy. And he shows up with his entourage and he's got a palm tree in his hand in the studio. <laughs> and he's like, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And he said, you know what? Like I need club Dave. 
like, here, if I'm going to do this. <laughs> I saw him at the last show that I actually got to go to before all this happened. Um, it was uh, Kiss, which, you know, I, I saw Kiss in 96, the reunion thing with all of the, the original guys. But this was like, you know, half Kiss at this point. You know, they've got stand-ins. Uh, but the tickets were like dirt cheap for like lower levels. So it last like two days before I'm like, I don't know, like it's, it's better than watching TV. Like why not? Let's just go. Um, and David Lee Roth was opening, which was the other thing where I'm going, okay, well, I've never seen David Lee Roth. And uh-huh. like his voice is, you know, he's, he's kind of talking and hilarious. I, I laughed all night. He's like rubbing his ass in the microphone stand. I'm like, he has no idea how old he is at this point. He's just like, it was, yeah, it was, it was so fun. And actually that, kiss was quite entertaining as well. Oh yeah. yeah. That bizarrely, that was the last show I saw before lockdown. <laughs> and and then throw his butt on the mic stand. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, Van Halen were my first love and, yeah. uh, Kiss were my favorite band when I was like 10, 11, 12. Like my friends and I dressed up for Halloween. I think everybody's got that 12 year old kiss thing. Yeah. And I had never seen them before. So I was like, when I saw the two of them were playing, I was like, yeah, I'll go. Like tickets were insane for like floor seats were like 900 bucks. I was like, I'll pay 50. And I ended up getting a, a, a ticket for 30, like just way up there. And which was fine. It was, it was exciting enough. But then like, to fill seats like halfway through kiss someone from the venue came and handed me and my friend tickets like right up front like 12 rows back on gene's side so we went up and the pyrotechnics were i mean they were hot enough at the back of the arena (laughs) and up there was it fairly empty was there a decent crowd i guess they i mean it was a it was a wednesday night uh so there were empty seats but i guess they wanted to fill in in seats so they gave a bunch of us free tickets for going up front and it was I mean, it was super exciting. I mean, because you're just all wrapped up in it at that point. They were on Groupon. <laughs> do, you, do you have Groupon where you're at? Yeah, yeah. And tickets on Groupon for like 30 bucks lower level. Oh, wow. For St. Paul. And oh. I missed it. I was like signed in to buy them because I'm like, well, 30 bucks on Groupon. This is just what the heck. Yeah. And I went in to sign it and I hit the buy button and all of a sudden it like freaked out and then I tried to get back in and they were gone. So I ended up buying them for like 45 pretty much in the same area outside of Groupon. But we got there and there were like the different levels were blocked off. And I said, if you have tickets on this club level or this level, check in at this. And they moved everyone down because they didn't sell any tickets. It was pretty bad. That's insane. Yeah. So, you know, I got $40 for lower, lower level seats. Totally and, worth it. Uh, but those confetti cannons were worth uh, the price. Of, <laughs> yeah. They had to have lost money for the amount of confetti that they shot out of them. <laughs> when I saw them in 96, it was like, boom, and they kind of, you know, go off and it's over. This was like, it was like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. It was just everywhere. It was, it was humorous. Like I was like picking it out of my shirt as I was walking out of yeah, it was, it was fun. I'm glad I did that, especially, you know, in hindsight, knowing what we know now, sitting around, you know. Yeah. Would have been bummed that I didn't go out and do it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And thanks for the nice words on the album. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. I got to get to Minneapolis ASAP, man. Whew. 
Or you can find High on Stress at at High on Stress on Twitter. They're on Facebook, too. And do give a listen to their tunes at Bandcamp. High on Stress, M-P-L-S dot Bandcamp dot com. I'm looking forward to diving into their back catalog, man. Always exciting when you discover a band and have a whole smorgasbord to listen to. That's right. I said smorgasbord. In Southpaw news, well, we've been having a great run of it on this podcast, you know. We've had Steve Kilby, Matt Osmond from Suede, Martin Atkins, John Higgs, Carla Easton on lately. Woo! And the stories keep coming on the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast. Last week's story was one of my favorites. Why wasn't Spuds McKenzie and Wilson Phillips? It's a valid question, you know. You can listen to that one and 44 others over at youngsouthpaw.com or on the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast on iTunes and all those, wherever you can find it. Ratings, reviews, shares, all very much appreciated. So I'm going to play you out now on the first song on the new High on Stress record, Hold Me In. This tune, man, woo! One of my songs of the year. This is Work Release. Yeah. 